0: Hello, Steve here. I'd like to take a few minutes in this episode to talk to you about knowledge, skill, experience, wisdom, insight, and understanding. Last year, Bina and I remodeled our kitchen. Actually, that's not true. We didn't remodel the kitchen. John Deanna did. He's the builder we hired to do the work. He did an amazing job. The new kitchen is absolutely spectacular. The thing is, John will probably never work for us again because I'm one of those people who likes to hang around and watch everything that's being done. Not because I don't trust John, but because I'm really interested in how he does the things that he does to create such beautiful work. I mean, who knew that there was a squeezy, pinchy thing to hold the mitered corners of door trim together while they're being glued and nailed in place? I mean, who knew that there's a screw gun for fixing squeaky floors, which is actually more like a screw rifle because you use it standing up? Who knew that you have to use wooden shims to level cabinets once you have them in place? And who knew that there are clear curtains made out of heavy plastic that get installed to keep the construction dust in the room where it's created, but that have a magnetic closure instead of a zipper? That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I suspect the job took Probably twice as long as it should have taken because I asked John so many questions. But now I know. If anybody ever asks me how to hold window trim in place, I can tell them with great detail about the squeezy, pinchy thing. The next question, of course, is whether I could actually do the job of mitering the trim, installing it, holding it in place with the clamps. And the answer is, oh, hell no. Not like John. And that's the difference between knowledge and skill. I can tell you what they are, what they're called, They're called miter clamps and be sure to get the special pliers you need to open them and place them when you need to clamp something. I can even tell you how to use them and where to buy them. That's knowledge, but it's not skill. Here's another example. Because of my job I've flown more than three million miles in my career. I've also used to work for a company that had its own plane and full-time pilot and I used to fly right seat a lot whenever we used the company plane to go somewhere for a consulting gig. From all that time in what pilots call the front office, I know that you have to zero the barometric pressure setting to ensure altitude accuracy before you take off. I know that you have to switch to the correct frequency for departure control before you leave the gate. I know that you have to set a unique IFF squawk so that air traffic control can identify you in the air. I know that the pedals help you steer while you're in the air, And are also the brakes. They move the rudder on the tail, which is actually called the vertical stabilizer. I know that the steering wheel helps you steer a tricycle gear plane when you're on the ground. I know the protocol for calling out the tail number when you communicate with the tower or whatever authority you're talking to, whether it's ramp, departure control, regional, approach control, whatever. I know that before you take off and land, you set 20 degrees or so of flaps to extend the surface area of the wing, which creates more lift. I know the difference between speed brakes, slats, spoilers, ailerons, and flaps. I understand roll, pitch, and yaw. I understand that it's important to synchronize the propellers on a multi-engine aircraft, and why. And I know that before you think about landing, when you put the gear down on a plane with retractable gear, you check to make sure that you have three green lights to show that all three wheels are down and locked. But can I fly a plane? I think you know the answer. Here's a hint. No. Having the knowledge about how something is done and having the skill to do it are both important, but the key word here is both. I can talk for hours about the extraordinarily complex task of installing bundles of cables under the floor in a data center, connecting them to the proper ports on the back of the equipment, running a sanity check to ensure that they're all working properly, and then watching as the technician painstakingly laces them together into a tight, neat bundle using waxed twine, a bundle so tight and square that the cables are immobilized into a solid brick. It's a thing of beauty, and it requires a great deal of skill. I have the knowledge and skill to install and test the cables, and I can troubleshoot the network. But lacing those cables, that's a craft I could only dream about being able to do, and it is every bit as important a task as installing and testing them. I'm telling you these stories to reinforce something that I think is very important. There's a difference between knowledge and skill, but we need both of them to advance as a society. People need them, companies need them, entire industries need them, but lately it seems as if the only jobs that get attention are those that are knowledge-based and that ignore the skills-based trades. I find it interesting that over in Europe, if you want to become a plumber or an electrician or a telecom technician or a welder or a restaurant server you go to a highly respected school to learn the trade and the certificate they issue is every bit as revered and valuable as a university degree. It's a respected, sought-after career. But here, all too often, what I hear people mumble is that the trades are what you do if you can't get into college. That is absolutely ludicrous. Colleges and universities teach people how to learn. Trade schools teach people how to do. I know I'm generalizing, but To a large extent, I'm correct. As many of you know, I work in technology, and right now a lot of my attention and research is taken up by a handful of new technologies that include things like artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning, natural language processing, which is computer speech, Internet of Things, cloud, big data, and so on. I'm focusing on these because together they offer huge promise across a lot of different fields, including healthcare and medicine, banking, manufacturing, national infrastructure development, security, pharmaceutical development, farming, ranching, and quite a few others. When we think about, let's say, robotics and machine learning, most of our minds naturally take the following thought path. Robotics and machine learning are highly advanced technologies. They require highly advanced degrees. They will therefore create jobs for people with those highly advanced degrees. And because we're talking about robotics, they will eliminate jobs done by people who don't have those advanced degrees. Therefore, robotics and machine learning are in some ways economically destructive. Let's talk about that. The truth is, and I've made this observation before, advances in technology have affected jobs since the first technology was introduced. As soon as the first Cro-Magnon person invented a spear, the fastest person in the village didn't have to chase mammoths anymore. But let's be clear here. New technologies like robotics and machine learning don't eliminate the need for people. They eliminate some of the things that people do. And in the process, they create the need for people to do different things. Jobs don't define who you are. They define what you do. Now think about it. When the printing press arrived, scribes disappeared, but a need for novelists, poets, editors, bookstore owners, newspaper delivery people, and printers emerged. When the personal computer appeared on the scene, and with it, Google, reference librarians went away in large numbers, but in their place came a need for software developers, database administrators, website developers, data center designers, hardware and software engineers, online advertising specialists, big data engineers, data analytics specialists, and people with the ability to do search engine optimization. The same is true when we talk about robotics and machine learning. Yeah, these technologies will eliminate the need for people to do certain physical tasks and functions, but new tasks and functions, better tasks and functions, will rise up like water in a well. Workers may no longer turn a wrench or spend their shift spot welding the same door hinge over and over and over. Instead, they'll do a different job. That robot that's now turning the wrench or spot welding the hinge has to be designed, assembled, installed, tested, and trained. It has to be connected to the network that'll make it work in concert with the other robots in the plant. It has to be routinely monitored, adjusted, tweaked, maintained, troubleshot, and repaired. And it has to be programmed and connected to electrical and constantly monitored for cybersecurity compliance. That's 15 jobs or tasks that have to be done. That's not job loss. That's job multiplication and diversification. What I want to point out is that, yes, we need people with degrees. We need computer scientists and robotics designers and Python programmers and electrical engineers to make all this happen. But we also need the people with the discrete, specialized, and enormously complicated skills to build the infrastructure, make it work, and keep it working. They're equally important. It's time we started thinking and prioritizing that way. Okay, one more thought before I leave. I started this episode with a brief discussion about knowledge, skill, wisdom, insight, and understanding. We've just spent the last few minutes talking about knowledge and skills, so let's bring the others into the conversation as well. I read a joke the other day that said that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, not a vegetable. Wisdom is knowing not to use it in a fruit salad. Well, wisdom stems from experience, which includes the application of knowledge as part of the skill development process. There's a kind of a continuum at work here. When I started this podcast, I based it on the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, and discovery leads to knowledge, and knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. I still believe that. Our greatest gift, curiosity, provides the conduit for data gathering that helps us understand the world around us. Knowledge does indeed lead to insight, and insight leads to understanding. Wisdom is what results from all of them taken together. One of my favorite expressions is that good decisions come from experience and experience comes from a lot of bad decisions. But truthfully, good decisions also come from a willingness to be curious, a willingness to learn, a commitment to question everything and learn everything and to place a high value on knowledge and truth. Education, training, skill development, they're all results of our natural curiosity. It's an important and increasingly important quality to teach our kids, exercise in our lives, and practice at work. It's what keeps us from accepting the status quo, and it's what keeps us asking time and time again, what if, which I think is one of the most important questions a thinking person can ask. The most common words I hear from my little grandkids are, let's pretend that, you know what that is? It's called scenario planning or role-play, or gamification, if you will. How will we possibly know whether it's better to play the good guy or the bad guy, the king or the princess, the prince or the toad, until we've played both roles? Five-year-olds know and practice the skill. So when did we lose it? And isn't it time to get it back? Lots to think about here, so please think about it. I think this is an important topic, and I think it deserves broad discussion. And now, put down that tomato before you make a culinary error that you're going to regret. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode.